0: Curious to know what type of people get involved in politics, or why they get involved? This might just be the podcast for you. Welcome to Politics from the Moon. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Politics from the Moon the podcast that attempts to bring politics down to earth. I'm your host, Ross Evans, and joining me on this week's episode is a very good friend of mine and recently elected Member of Parliament for the constituency of Pontypridd in South Wales, UK, Alexander Davis-Jones. Alex, welcome to the programme.
1: Thank you, Ross. Yes, pleasure to be here.
0: Well, let me just start uh, by asking you, for our viewers across the UK and the wider world, uh, can you just tell us a little bit about the constituency of Pont de
1: Yeah, so Pont de is uh, for those who don't know, a typical Welsh valleys community. It's uh nestled in the heart of the South Wales valleys. Um, quite a uh, quite a range of communities. We've got uh the industrial-based communities of Treforest and Coideli and Pont deprede to the north, and then the more um well. Uh, sort of commuter belt now areas of the south near Cardiff, the suburbs of Cardiff, you'd say, of uh, Lantricent, uh, Lantwich Vardra, Talbot Green, um, Really diverse uh, in its range of socioeconomic profile, as well as range of, of people as well. You know, you've got um, quite an affluent area to the south of the borough and then quite a large um, proportion of deprivation in the central area of the constituency. So it's really quite diverse, but an absolutely heart of gold community um, and very, very typical Welsh Valley community.
0: And, And as somebody who is a community councillor, a county borough councillor, and now indeed the Member of Parliament for the area, what does it mean to you to represent this area?
1: It means everything to represent this area. I am literally born and bred from where I from my constituency um I grew up here I went to school here I started my working life here all my family are from here um so this literally is my community and um it is the greatest honor to represent them and to stand up for them and to speak up for them in parliament and at all levels of of political uh, conversation really um I started my career as you said uh at the community council level and it really was as basic as deciding what flower baskets we should have that summer and what christmas concerts we should put on and christmas celebrations that year and now to be in um the mother of all parliaments in westminster uh standing up for them to discuss issues of benefits workers rights uh the environment um is just it is still a pinch me moment every time i stand up there
0: and, and being an MP, what, what does that mean? What do you see your role as in terms of how you represent the constituency?
1: For me, I see myself as their voice in, in Westminster, and it's my job to speak up on behalf of them on what issues matter to them the most. I'm I'm an advocate for them. So when they write to me with issues of immigration, or they write to me about problems with their benefit system, it's up to me to represent them on their behalf to the to the minister or to the chancellor or or to the um, Uh, the big companies who are causing them issues you know that's my job but then it's also my job to represent wider issues so last year my constituency was devastatingly um, hit by flooding the first uh, first time this has um, ever happened in in nearly 100 years Um, homes were decimated businesses ruined and it was my job then to try and coordinate that relief effort and try and try and get some funding in order to um, install more flood defences, to get funding to in order to replace carpets and sofas in their homes. And um, I see myself as a community leader and and a champion of of these causes. It's a big responsibility. And, and I don't hold that lightly either. Mm.
0: And, and what are the, the kind of general kind of issues that constituents might come to you with, apart from uh, the obvious flooding uh, situation?
1: Yeah, it's. It it literally is a huge, wide range of of queries. You know, at the minute with the coronavirus pandemic, we're seeing lots of people come to us with concerns about their their jobs and their employment. They've been furloughed or they've been made redundant and they're they're really worried about putting food on the table and keeping the roof above their heads. Um, uh, When the crisis first hit, we had loads of people um, with immigration queries because they were stuck abroad um, and they couldn't get home. So we had to work really closely with the foreign office. But then on a day to day issue, it it really it really can vary from people coming to me with benefit queries to struggling with universal credit applications or they've been denied universal credit. And can I appeal on their behalf? Or um, it could be um, problems with child contact or a problem with the court case that's ongoing, um, problems with the local police force Um, to to people really worried about the concerns about the Ouija Muslims or um, it, it, it varies. And, and I get queries about people who are worried about climate change. And it's it's my job then to speak up um, on those issues and, and on those matters in Parliament that, that really matter to them.
0: Mm. And and you're a member of the Labour Party, a Labour MP. Obviously, at the UK level, you're in opposition. But at the council level, the the council is run by the Labour Party. And in Wales, um, the the Welsh government is run by the Labour Party. How do you find your interactions with both the British government, the Welsh and the local authority?
1: It's really, really difficult. And I think... for me, as a Welsh Labour MP, um, it can be incredibly frustrating on times as well, on, on, on both sides of the, of the fence here. You know, when uh, you've got, uh, for example, uh, Gavin Williamson, the English, the UK uh, education secretary standing up in the Commons, making an announcement about uh, what's happening with the exams, for example, are they going to be cancelled? Um well, that doesn't apply to Wales because education's devolved to the Welsh government. That's their responsibility. So I've been banging the drum along with my Welsh Labour colleagues for the f- past 12 months to get the British media to understand that these issues aren't UK wide. And I think they're finally getting it. And I think coronavirus has really uh, shone a light on devolution and, and who is responsible for what matters in the UK. And that's been, um, I think, one of the positives out of coronavirus is that the British public and the and the Welsh public are understanding a bit more about who governs uh, which department and and who is responsible for what here. Um, But then it can be also quite problematic because sometimes uh, the UK Labour Party... Uh, will come up with an announcement, sometimes without checking whether it matters in Wales, and it can cause us problems. So we saw this recently with the vaccine, Vaccinate Britain campaign, which was launched, uh, which actually only meant vaccinate England, because the Welsh government were responsible for the vaccination roll-up here in Wales. And they've done a fantastic job of that as well. You know, we're the first home nation to hit all four of our top priority groups. That was announced this morning. Great news. Um, but sometimes it has challenges. But then that's that's where it's my job and the job of my Welsh Labour colleagues to stand up and say, hang on a minute, this this doesn't apply to Wales. You need to speak for the whole of the UK or you only need to speak for England here. And I think with uh, with some of the issues that we've got in the UK at the moment, wanting to um, cause separatism with Scotland potentially having another referendum further down the line and, and also the Yes Cymru movement gaining traction here in Wales, um, it's important that we that we talk about the successes of the union, but it's also important that we don't be afraid to shout about the individual successes of the home nations as
0: well. You've touched upon the fact that you were a councillor, both at the community level and county borough level, now an MP. How, how did you, what was your journey into politics? I mean, is is politics something you always wanted to do? You always wanted to be the MP or no. was it was <laughs> just a, a chance to serve? You know, how, how yeah. what, what was your journey into it?
1: I fell into politics. Um, So politics has always been and we say we talk about the word politics and people think it's about, you know, politicians in Westminster or politicians in the council. Um, But politics to me started at a very, very basic level. So my dad was was a minor um you know very south wales uh you know very stereotypical but he was and i remember growing up and hearing stories about him being on strike during the 80s in the miners strike and almost losing the house because they were on strike and and all the challenges they had with the thatcher era um and then i was eight years old when tony blair became prime minister and we finally had a Labour government again and seeing my dad cry and that was the first time i'd ever seen my dad cry um and asking him at eight years old, why, why was you, why are you crying, Daddy? Why are you crying? And he, uh, because you, he said, I'm happy uh, because we finally got a Labour government again, and I never thought I'd see one again. And that was the first time um, for me as an eight year old girl that I realised that politics mattered to people, and and seeing my dad so happy at having a Labour government and everything that meant and the hope and and enthusiasm and aspirations that he now had for my future and for his future was something that always stayed with me and then I must have been a little bit older and um, the uh, former assembly member would have been now a member of the senate, Jane Davidson came and spoke to my school and she was the first female politician I'd ever seen um, other than or heard of Margaret Thatcher and she but she was a Labour politician and she came to my school and she talked to me about the environment because she was environment minister at the time and it was the first time I saw a woman Uh, in a position of power speaking about things that really mattered and and that stuck with me as well. And then wanted to learn more, did a politics degree at university. uh, And at the same time that uh, the crash happened and, and it was the coalition government with Cameron and Clegg and, everything changed I went to university thinking that I was guaranteed a job at the end of it I was going to have this incredible career and all that stuff jobs job opportunities weren't there um and I thought well what can I do what can I get involved I didn't have a job um was quite uh Quite nosy in my local community, I liked to know what was going on. I, I, I was quite loud and and was unashamedly so. And thought, I'll get involved in the community council. I'll, I'll, I'll stand for community council, and I got elected, and and it sort of spiralled really. And here I am now. And I, it's still, as I said before, a pinch me moment that I'm standing up in Westminster representing my home community. It still, still hasn't sunk in. Mm-hmm.
0: So you've been a MP now for just over a year, uh, elected uh, at the end of two thousand nineteen. Uh, how have you found it so far? I mean, is it a bit like uh, going to Hogwarts?
1: <laughs> it's it's 100% going to Hogwarts, yeah. But instead of getting sorted into houses, you know which house you're in beforehand. And I'd like to think it's Gryffindor, not Slytherin. Um, but yes, it's, um, it's definitely a whirlwind of a 12 months. And if you had told me, in the November 2019, that this is what the 12 months would have been like. I, I probably would have had a second thought about whether I was going to stand because it's been such a crazy 12 months. Um, not only have I had coronavirus to deal with uh, in my first year of parliament, but I also had, as I mentioned, devastating flooding hit my constituency. We had a big fight to save our A&E department at the local hospital before the pandemic even hit us. You know, God forbid what would have happened if we had lost that AE department. Um, and it's it's been having to learn this uh, job that's like no other um, and trying to do it all mostly from home as well. And, and it's been it's been a huge challenge when I, I hope I've, I've tried to meet and, and I hope my constituents will have thought that I've done them a good a good service. Um, but, yeah, I, I just hope that the rest of my term uh, isn't like this year.
0: Mm. And, and I guess if uh, being an MP wasn't challenging enough, you, you also become a young mum before uh, being elected.
1: I did so I was on maternity leave during the uh during the election campaign and yeah that was also a big decision to make so I had my son uh, in March 2019 he's coming up for 2 now so dealing with all this and becoming a new mum has been one hell of a roller coaster uh but one I wouldn't change and um yeah but I think that's given me a new perspective so I've been able to speak out on issues um, that I have been through personally such as having my son um, through IVF, having my son in the neonatal unit when he was first born and now being able to speak out uh, on behalf of other parents or other people who are going through the same thing and 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 try and fight for change to some of the policies that are in place that currently aren't working. Um, during coronavirus uh, parents haven't been able to be with their children in the neonatal unit because of some of the, um, some of the situations in our hospitals um, so can we put other measures in place so they can be with their family Um, and can we look to maybe implement a uh, neonatal leave policy in the upcoming employment bill in parliament this is something I'm currently working on so that um, new parents don't have to choose between going to work or being with their new baby in the hospital because no parent should have to face that choice so these are some of the campaigns that I'm now working on which I'm bringing my own real life experience to and I'm being able to talk about with with some with some experience which which And I've heard from loads of pa- parents and, and families who have said that this has really helped them.
0: And, and I understand you had a few small victories in Parliament itself as well for young mums or uh, in terms of uh, being allowed to breastfeed in Parliament?
1: I did, yes. So one of the first things um, that I set out to do, unintentionally really, was uh, get a victory of uh, being able to breastfeed now in Parliament. And it's crazy to think that that wasn't in place in the first place. Um but yeah, I was a new mum and I got elected and I was still breastfeeding my child at the time. You know, he wasn't even one when I became an MP. Um, so I needed to have him with me and I needed to be able to, to feed my child. Um, and it's crazy to think that that policy wasn't in place already. So many workplaces do have it and the mother of all parliaments didn't. So when I became elected, one of the first things I did was arrange to speak to Mr Speaker and ask him about the situation. And, and he was more than obliging in in changing the policy. And he he too couldn't couldn't believe that this wasn't in place already. Hmm.
0: And uh, looking towards the future, then, uh, is there any campaigning issues that you're actively uh, campaigning on on behalf of constituency or constituents that uh, you would like to see uh, into fruition, uh, any major legislation you're working on, or uh, what are your hopes for the future, basically, for both you and your constituents?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, still only 12 months into the job. So at the minute, my my team of staff behind me tell me that I need to slow down because I'm bouncing off in so many different directions. I want to try everything and I want to find out about everything. So we're currently looking at campaigns to do with, uh, like I said, IVF policy and making that more accessible for potential parents. We're looking at um, issues to do with... Um, animal welfare and animal sentencing as well for crimes on on animals we've had a spate of pet burglaries recently in my constituency um, especially during lockdown dogs have been stolen um, bred for fighting or bred for breeding and it's um it's awful i mean i have my dog owner i've got two myself and to think that they would be stolen for those awful awful things is horrific so that's something we're working on and i'm working with the uh, department for environment farming and agriculture to see if we can make that legislation tougher um, and then at a constituency level, flooding. So uh, obviously has been the biggest thing that's that's hit us. So I'm looking to see what we can do in terms of obtaining the funding from the UK government to invest in infrastructure to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Um, and then more widely looking at climate change because this is unfortunately one of the things that, that is a symptom of climate change, uh, our, cl- our world is changing, um, the climate is changing, and as a result we're going to be increasingly seeing this flooding hit us, um, and we can't be King Canute and simply hold back the tide here, we have to look at alternative ways of solving this problem. So part of the role, my role is looking to see what we can do, um, and whether that's you know sustainable urban drainage, or, or looking at what other infrastructure we can do to, to combat this problem, uh, looking at planning laws so we prevent um, houses being built on floodplains in the first place is, is a big one, um, and then planting more trees, and then and then post coronavirus pandemic, it's what can we do to help people in employment? So my constituency had a big um, automotive and aerospace uh, industry, both both industries and sectors devastated because of coronavirus. We haven't got planes in the sky flying and, and cars driving around our our shores anymore. Um, so what can we do to combat that? And and I think coronavirus has given us the opportunity to invest in more green green jobs sooner um, and, and more green industrial uh, techniques that we could do. And I think my constituency is perfectly placed for some of those industries to come here. So I'll be lobbying uh, these firms and Parliament heavily to come to Pontypris and invest in, and set up base. Um, so that's where I see the next 12 months going as well.
0: Great stuff. And, and let's hope that the, the role of the vaccines uh, does bring a swifter end to COVID than uh, they would have otherwise.
1: Uh, well here's hoping i mean i'm speaking to you from australia and looking uh you know across across the world to you guys who seem to have, have got it nailed and you are opening up your economies you are getting back out there um and that's even before the vaccine has been properly rolled out you know and just seeing what we can learn from you um has been has been really eye-opening for me as a as a british mp um you know and some of the some of the maybe decisions that were taken haven't helped. Um, So it's my job as an opposition MP to hold the government to account on those decisions that they've made um, and to try and encourage them to change their minds or to take a different course of action.
0: Now, before I ask you for uh, any advice on uh, potential people out there wanting to become an MP, I think it's very important to remind them that uh, the role of an MP is not a simple nine-to-five job. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your typical week in terms of the workload and how how, how stressful it can be?
1: Oh, gosh, yes. So my typical week... Um, especially now during coronavirus because everything's done at home on a virtually through a computer so i can be sat at this computer for up to 16 hours a day on times and i've seen that happen as well um you know my day can start at eight o'clock with uh with some briefings or a team meeting with my team to discuss what's happening that day or happening that week in parliament and then i could be virtually in a chamber asking a question to the foreign office about um, the situation in uganda and then i could be taking part in a uh Digital culture, media, and sport committee session on the future of community sport um, or the um, opening up of festivals post coronavirus and, and interviewing experts and asking them questions and, and their opinions on how best to move forward. And then I could be uh, meeting with the local head teachers in my constituency to discuss how, how homeschooling is going for them and how they think they're going to be able to cope when schools return in person. Um, and then I could have. Um, Maybe 10 minutes for lunch via Zoom with the camera off um, discussing um, the latest Brexit issues for musicians travelling overseas. And are we going to be able to get them music visas? Um, and then maybe another committee session with the Women and Equalities Committee looking at the Gender Recognition Reform Act. Um and then in the evenings, I could be meeting with the local community group. Um, this week, I met with the Girl Guides uh, to discuss, funny enough, how to get into politics and women in power. Um, I think we've seen this year with Kamala Harris becoming vice president and, and Jacinda Ardern becoming such a prominent uh, role on the world stage. Female politicians have, have really been thrown into the limelight. And it's, you know, uh, brilliant to see that and brilliant to see more young women wanting to get involved in politics as a result. And. Um, and then it's time for bath, bed, and story with my son, and maybe I can sit down with a glass of wine at the end of the day. But that's that's genuinely a typical day for me, and and I wouldn't have it any other way. It's brilliant, and I love every aspect of it.
0: Yeah, oh, well, good on you. <laughs> <laughs> so, in terms of uh, if there are any people out there listening that uh, want to become a member of parliament themselves or just active in in politics in general, uh, what what tips would you give them?
1: I would tell them to get involved in something that they're really passionate in whatever that may be if you're in if you're interested in the environment or if you're interested in world affairs if you're interested in uh just making your local community a better place get involved in something join a local organization join a political party find one that that fits your um your interests and your beliefs and and sort of is similar to what you You believe in and what you think the world how how the world should be better, Um, and get involved and get active. That's what I did. Um, So I joined my local Labour Party at at 18 years old. Um, But as I said, I was heavily involved and interested in politics before that, um, and just wanted to make my local community a better place. And then I stood for election. I cut my teeth on the community council, and and I got the bug and I got hooked. And the rest is history. But speak to a local politician as well. You know, we're not all uh, uh, unapproachable. I think that's what I'm trying to be as well. I want to make politics um, really relatable and I want people to see that anybody can become a politician. You you don't have to have gone to Eton or Oxbridge to become a a, a Westminster politician anymore. Uh, We need more people. We need more ordinary people standing up and speaking out on behalf of their communities. Um, So contact your local politician at a a council level or an MP level and speak to them and ask them about how you can get involved. What local campaigns can they get involved in? Um, Is it a a local crime reduction issue? You know, do they want to get involved in the local neighbourhood watch or the local environment group? And um, yeah, find something that you're really, really passionate about and care about, because then you'll never work in a day in your life either.
0: And then finally, I just want to ask you rather candidly, uh, recently I spoke with the uh, uh, Member of Parliament for the Constituency of Black here in South Australia and uh, the Minister for the Environment, who is a member of the Liberal Party, which is uh, centre-right in Australia. Uh, The Labour Party in the UK is uh, centre-left. You yourself have described yourself as a socialist. Could you just like expand a little bit on what you see as the main differences? What what uh, what are the differences between centre-right and centre-left, for example?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, you opened that kind of worms. Um, I think it's all about where you see your priorities as as a person. For me, I believe in an equal and fair society, um, and that's what my socialism means to me. And my socialism might not be the same as somebody else's socialism, as Jeremy Corbyn's socialism, for example. But for me... I want to see um, everybody in my community be able to afford um, a warm, dry, safe place to live. I want them to be able to have food on their table and I want them to be able to be in safe employment. That's my socialism. I want everybody to be equal and fair. Um, And... Perhaps somebody to the centre right may say um, that's not how society works. We need to have that ladder of people at the top and people at the bottom in order for society to work. And I say, well, why? Why do we need to have that? Um, Perhaps we need to look at a more uh, different benefit system, should we scrap the benefit system and should we introduce for example a universal basic income, this is something that's gaining traction at the moment and people are discussing quite freely here where where I'm from in Rombikun and Taft, but my local council just passed a motion asking for it to be a local pilot area for universal basic income, which is where we would scrap the benefit system and everybody would be paid, regardless of their wage, everybody would be paid a standard set amount every month and then obviously if you wanted to work for more than that then you can And to ensure that people can't choose between putting food on the table and heating their homes. Now, this is something that some deem quite controversial. Why should we pay people on a significantly high wage, a standard amount every month? Um, But then other people would say, well, this is the only way out of poverty if we're going to actually help everybody. You know, we've got huge levels of child poverty um, in my constituency and here in the UK, sadly. Um, We've got people going to food banks, which is absolutely scandalous. Um, Is this how we change that? And I suppose, uh, for me, it's something I definitely want to explore more of um, as a proud socialist and a proud trade unionist. Um, So I think I don't know if I've answered your question, Ross, but I think I've sort of um, outlined why it is that I believe that we should have a fair and equal society.
0: Uh, absolutely, and uh, you know, as I interview different people, I'll be asking them the same question, just to understand what kind of they 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 think they stand for, uh, and uh, why they chose the party they did. Uh, we're all all of this is just trying to uh, explain to people what the differences are, uh, why they matter, and just to make them more you know relatable, really. So, um, thank you for that.
1: That's fine.
0: Well, look, thank you very much for coming on the programme today. And, uh, you know, I, I really sincerely hope that uh, both the COVID uh, situation in the UK uh, settles down rather quickly uh, and that um, that the flooding uh, reparations in pont go very well.
1: Yeah. Dioch Ross, uh, really appreciate you taking the time to speak to me today. And um, yeah, wishing you well with this podcast. It's uh, a great opportunity to find out more about what makes politicians tick and, and helps get the message across to people.
0: Great. Thanks very much. Thanks. That was Alexander Davis Jones, Member of Parliament for Pontypool in the UK, who, since recording this episode at the end of February, has recently been appointed as the Shadow Minister for Northern Ireland. And all of us here at Politics from the Moon wish her all the best in that role. There might have been a few things you've heard over this episode that you're not familiar with, uh, especially if you're not from the listening from the UK. Uh, such as uh, the differences between the Labour Party, Conservatives or uh, devolved government in Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, compared to the UK, for example. Uh, Over the coming weeks, all of us here on Politics from the Moon will uh, try to uh, explain the best we can as to what each of them are and how they work. But of course, as always, if you as a listener have any questions about any aspect of politics from across any of the four nations please do get in touch with us. You can do so through our website, which can be found at www.podcastfromthemoon.com or through our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages at Podcasts From The Moon. Alternatively, uh, you can email me at rossevansau at gmail.com. And of course, if you work in the political sphere, it doesn't matter if you're a politician, staff, campaigner, lobbyist, or otherwise – Uh, and would like to be on this program, do get in touch, and we'll be happy to oblige. We're pleased to announce that Politics from the Moon is now available on iTunes, Spotify, and a lot of other major podcast streaming platforms. If you are listening on one of those, please consider subscribing, or tune in again next Friday for the next episode. But until that time, I've been Ross Evans. I wish you all a good night and good luck.